Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Bee podcast, a busy week on the econ calendar with inflation data, a Fed meeting, and the jobs report, plus Apple reports, Facebook reports, and the big insurers. This is Money Bee from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Money Beat Look at the Week Ahead. I'm joined in the New York studio with Mr. Ben Eisen. And on the phone is uh, from D.C. is econ reporter Eric Morath. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, Ben? Doing great. Thanks, Steve. I'm, I'm just trying to be warm. Um, Eric, <laughs> I, I have to say, like, looking at the calendar for next week, we have a busy week. Yeah, it's going to keep me on my toes. <laughs> um, why don't we? Why don't we just start off? I mean, we can just go through this, um, you know, Monday through Friday, because Monday we get some, um, we get the Fed's preferred inflation data. Yeah, that we do. We get the uh, PCE index, and uh, the expectation is that there's not going to be much change uh, in that, 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 that after seeing several months of inflation creeping up, uh, finally breaking the 2% barrier, uh, we might fall back below 2%. So, uh, you know, that kind of gives some uh, something for Fed officials to think about in a couple days. That, that's sort of been the definition, I feel, of the economy and the recovery is for every step forward, we have to take a step back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it looks like inflation will be no different. Um, why are they expecting uh, you know, that it might creep back below, too? Is there any specific reason for that? Um, well, I mean, when you look at uh, even when you exclude uh, gas and, and energy, we're, we're expecting a, a flat uh, reading. Um, you know, you know, a couple different factors. You know, could be that as the dollar, you know, strengthens, that's making imports, you know, relatively cheaper for U.S. consumers. So that that can be one factor. And then the other is, I mean, you've seen all the consumer spending data. We'll get more on Monday with this report. Yeah, we're not really buying things that much, so yeah. uh, really hard to pass along those price increases. So it could be a little bit of this this weaker consumer spending could be like, oh wait, the prices went up. Eh, maybe I don't need that. How much of a concern is this for the Fed? Not not in necessarily the inflation data, but the consumer spending data. Well, I mean, I think it's a big concern if it persists another quarter. Yeah. I mean, this there's a lot of weird factors that probably influence the first quarter, and, and this data we'll get on Monday is still looking at March uh, um, between lower heating bills because the weather was warm and some oddities within the auto industry. So. I wouldn't think the Fed's going to worry about three months of data, but if we're talking about weak consumer spending three months from now, you know, I think we'll have uh, have some interesting uh, Fed meetings at the end of the summer. And it seems like at the the same time, there's been uh, you know a lot of talk among economists of you know have we hit weak uh, peak peak inflation here because it's uh, you know we we got above two percent, but it seems like there are some perhaps forces that 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 could draw it back down. You have sort of pretty tepid wage growth. Uh, It's been weak over the last couple of months. I mean, is that something that uh, um, I mean, do do you expect the the Fed to, to to get more concerned about that? 
Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no obvious, hey, this is going to drive much higher inflation unless you really saw, you know, wage growth uh, take off in the next few months. So, I mean, to the degree that um, a lot of Fed officials were saying, you know, hey, we really need to, you know, see inflation get get to our target and past our target um, and that, you know, we can let things run a little hot. Um, You know, that's going to reinforce the view if, if, you know, you got one month over their target and then you slip back down. Um, and, you know, so that could reinforce the view that, that you know, maybe, you know, we don't need a bunch more rate increases this year. Like I said, I would give it a couple more months to play out. But uh, the, that data on the inflation end does not, you know, back up the view that, you know, we need a hike every meeting. Next up is Tuesday kicks off the FOMC's uh, meeting, and Wednesday we get their policy statement. We're not expecting much in that regard, many changes, right? Yeah, no. Well, we're not expecting a rate increase uh, at this meeting. So the main thing will be let's look at the statement and read the tea leaves and determine whether or not they're poised to to move in June. And and this has kind of been uh, their MO the last uh, few times around. Uh, They have a meeting where they have a statement that they don't raise rates, but like spell out that they will raise rates the next, uh, you know, six weeks later. So, you know, if that plays out again, we'll, we'll be in line for a June rate increase. If they, you know, mention, you know, concerns about inflation or concerns about a weak first quarter, um, you know, we'll keep a close eye on that. My, my guess is they're going to take the view of, you know, let's not read too much into a few months of data. There's some forecasts out there that, you know, the economy is going to grow at a, you know, 3%, uh, 4% rate in the second quarter, which, uh, you know, make everybody feel uh, that everything's on a better trajectory. So, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to read. What, we'll read what they say in, in May to determine what they'll do is, in June. Is there any sort of specific language changes that we can, you know, to the policies um, statement that might indicate one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I would just look at what they say about the the, the pace of growth in the economy. Uh, spe- you know, especially what they say specifically on inflation. Um, especially what they say about the the labor market. Um, you know, they, they're not going to have the the jobs report that we're going to talk about uh, on Friday yet. So, but see if they view that we're nearing full employment. Uh, I mean, those types of things would, would keep them you know in in line to kind of do this every other meeting rate increase. But given that we've had sort of a, a soft patch in the economy over the last couple of months, I mean, we had GDP come in on Friday, uh, 0.7% was pretty low. Um, I mean, is there anything really that the Fed could point to as a sign of, of uh, you know, opti- optimism relative to the previous meeting? Um, yeah, I guess I think they would look at uh, the employment growth. I mean, of course, March uh, wasn't real strong, but uh, February and January were. So, um, you know, employment continues to to expand. Uh, the unemployment rate uh, ticked down in uh, March. So, you know, I think that the, the labor market is on pretty firm ground. I mean, you can feel like they're meeting their mandate there. And, um, you know, inflation, while it might... Uh, not strengthen further. I mean, it's still still going to be close to their their two percent target. So, in some sense, you know, they're coming to this meeting with their two objectives met. So, I don't think they're going to take it as a view of a, a sour economy. I think they're going to look past that that weak first quarter because if you look at the history of first quarters of this expansion, they've they've pretty much all been weak. So, <laughs> I don't think they're going to they're going to worry that much about about one quarter of data. 
Let's skip ahead to Friday because that's, um, I think, us a money to beat favorite um, economic data release. It's the uh, jobs report. Um, mm-hmm. You've already made, you know, talked a little bit about the labor market. It remains strong. March was disappointing. How, you know, a lot of that was weather related. Are we expecting a bit of a rebound um, in this April one? Yeah, the economists we spoke to are basically expecting double the pace, uh, up to 185,000 jobs added uh, in April on net. So, yeah, that would be getting back to, you know, pretty much an acceptable to strong level of, of job growth. So, yeah, I, I think this report is is pretty important to look at the trajectory of the economy. If, if we get that type of number close to 200, uh, you can say, hey, you know, there's a lot of momentum in the labor market uh, so far this year. And if you get a, a disappointment, um, something that sort of backs up the idea that that March wasn't uh, an anomaly and that the first quarter growth, you know, wasn't an anomaly, uh, you know, that's going to cause some concern. So I do think this is definitely like we're standing at a crossroads and we'll see this jobs report will either guide us to, uh, you know, steady growth or to concern that, you know, we've hit, we've hit the peak of the expansion and, and we're going to, we're going to start cooling in the next couple of years. What about wages? I mean, we've seen the unemployment rate fell to 4.5%. Um, we haven't seen a, you know much of a pickup in wages. I mean, they're gradually climbing, but not you know I think at a rate that it would make anyone happy. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, is there any expectation that we're going to start to see wage growth uh, accelerate? Yeah, I mean, the economists uh, that we talked to do expect a little bit better wage growth uh, this month than than last month. So I do think that there's you know some signs of a of a of a pickup, but yeah, I mean, it's not it's not been um, Real robust, and you know, so it's hard to hard to imagine, you know, until you sort of see, you know, the overall economy doing better. Until you see productivity gains, which have been very weak, and I, you know, I think the expectation is they could be zero or negative yet again uh, this quarter. It's it's really hard to hand out more raises when when the workers aren't more productive. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting we're getting our economic growth because we're adding more labor input to the economy, not because the current workers are producing more. And that's what you, when you want wage growth, you want to see the current workers are producing more output. So uh, that's kind of the, the economics 101 uh, view of where we are. And, and looking at the, the the calendar, we have an interesting meeting on Thursday. NAFTA got a lot of attention throughout the election. And last week, it got a lot of attention with the flip-flopping on whether the U.S. was going to withdraw from NAFTA or just was wanted to renegotiate it. Um, we're t- next week, we have the Bank of Canada governor meeting down in Mexico City. Um, is there any ex- – what are we going to see out of that meeting? Well, I mean, I think you just want to look for some signals if, uh, you know, there are they are these officials from, you know, our two border nations, uh, are they going to talk like, hey, we need to work with the U.S., we need to, you know, strengthen ties, reach out to the Trump administration, you know, c- keep the NAFTA gang together. Um, you know, I think the broader view is, you know, NAFTA has definitely worked out for Canada and Mexico, and, and, and there's a lot of skepticism, at least in the White House, of whether it's worked out for the U.S. Right. Um, a lot of businesses say, yeah, it definitely has worked out for the U.S. Um, but, you know, so let's see if they, they take the view of let's how can we strategize to get the Trump administration on our side here? Or are they going to take a view of, hey, you know, our two countries together, that's a that's a pretty strong block. And, and let's talk about how we can work together and work with uh, other countries. I mean, the, both uh, Mexico and Canada were in talks uh, as we were until the Trump administration pulled us out to 
have a broader relationship with South America and uh, the Asia Pacific countries. So, you know, if they want to, you know, say, hey, we're okay with having closer ties uh, with the rest of the world while the U.S. gets more isolationist, you know, that that would be an interesting uh, dynamic. So kind of I'd look to see what the tone comes out of this meeting. Okay. I think that's a good place to take a break. Uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, we'll be sure. right back with a conversation about earnings. WSJ Special Access gives you a front row seat to some of the Wall Street Journal's most exciting content, like The Quirkier Side of Life, a new series that features the fun, surprising stories our reporters come across. The chief executive walks 10,000 barefoot steps every day. He recalls stepping on a bee, which put him off earthing for a couple of days, but he got back to it. Check out The Quirkier Side of Life on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. Love tech? Dig gadgets? Then make tech news briefing from The Wall Street Journal a part of your day. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello and welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. This is Steve Grosser. I'm joined in the studio with Ben Eisen and Eric Morant took off, but we have Jeff Rogo uh, joining us. And Jeff, the reason why you're joining us is because there are a bunch of health insurers or just insurers uh, reporting earnings next week. That's right. We have the uh, the gamut of insurers on Thursday. We've MetLife, Pru, and AIG. It doesn't get bigger than that in the insurance world. I don't know what that means, but it definitely doesn't get bigger. And, and in your world, because you are the investing editor That's for right. the Wall Street Journal. That's right. And um, so th- this is like your you know almost your Super Bowl, right? This is this is our Super Bowl and our Passover and my own bar- <laughs> and my own bar mitzvah wrapped into one fascinating day. Uh, no, it's good. look. It is it is a really interesting day. There's a lot of fascinating things going on in insurance. We'll go through. Them quickly. The, the first and the biggest one is sometime in the next three months, Prudential will be the biggest insurance company in the country. Did you know that? Uh, most of you probably didn't. You thought it was MetLife. MetLife is breaking up. They're becoming two companies as part of the SIFI uh, designation. When that happens, MetLife, or sorry, Prudential will now be the biggest. That said, Prudential was probably going to overtake them anyway. They made a very uh, conscious call uh, maybe a decade ago to change the way they they. They operated as a business. They are less an insurance company and more a retirement services company, and it's paid off for them uh, handsomely. So that's one thing. The second thing that potentially is more interesting for the industry is while you weren't paying attention, the first quarter was the worst co- first quarter in 20 years in property and casualty insurance. Oh, wow. So hail, thunderstorms, snowstorms, all that stuff was atrocious. So they're starting the year on a really weak foot. Their reserves are going to be drained down. That's a problem. That said, the first quarter, even the worst first quarter ever, doesn't uh, compute with a normal third quarter. The third quarter is when you get hurricanes. It's when you get bad stuff. So if we have a light third quarter, it kind of doesn't matter. But it is worth noting, we had this really bad first quarter. Travelers was the first insurance company to report earnings. They said it was a big problem for them. We've already seen... uh, you know, if you if you buy an insurance contract, and given uh, if you're listening to this, you probably do for your home or your car, your rate is probably going up. They've had a really bad um, distracted driving and more 
uh, people on the road has risen insurance rates for car. Home is sort of pushed along with it. If we get more catastrophes with home, you'll see both rates coming up and will certainly impact your wallet. So what these companies say about what the first quarter was really like will have a material material difference on what you pay, even if it doesn't really impact their stock price. Ben, I wanted to bring you in also just to talk overall because you know next week is about we're getting close to the halfway point in the earnings season, and one of the big hopes coming into this earnings season was that could it support the stock market. What have we seen so far? Yeah, I mean, earnings have been really quite good so far this uh, this quarter. Uh, I think the latest numbers, when you kind of blend those that have reported with the expectations for those that have yet to report, uh, it's expected to be 12.5% uh, earnings growth in the first quarter. So that would be um, that would be the best quarter. If that ends up being the case, that would be the best quarter since 2011. Um, that said, I mean, it still has to hold up. And as uh, Jeff mentioned, you know, some of these some of these industries might not do as well as uh, some of the industries that have already reported for the most part. I mean, we had a bunch of tech earnings this week that really kind of blew past expectations. You had Amazon, you had Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. Um, those both reported uh, great earnings on Thursday afternoon. So, um, you know, so far so good, but we'll have to see how it, uh, how it holds up. I still I, haven't uh, gotten over that Goldman didn't do well. Like, I thought that that was just what happened every quarter. I know. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Goldman's sort of getting into that pattern that our economy has been in with a bad first quarter, because last year's first quarter was bad for them. The the interesting thing, too, about just speaking about Amazon, I think this was like the eighth straight quarter that Amazon's been profitable. I mean, yeah. Amazon, the company that for the lo- longest time has shooed profits to grow and just, you know, spent money. It, now, now it's just, like they care about their shareholders and want to drive value and I, I don't believe it. That's <laughs> no. not the way this country was founded. But it's, it's also <laughs> the true, cloud but... sort of like I think the, cl- the cloud business has just shocked them in terms of how much it's sort of making money for them. Yeah, I, I mean that's true. Uh, though I don't think that they're. I, I'd have to look more closely, but I think I don't think their profits are have been that strong per se. So they've they've been in the black, but it's been kind of pretty slim slim profits, despite <laughs> despite how big this company is and and how ridiculously high the share price has gone and in the last my, year. And that was my uh a little bit like everyone to me at the cloud a little bit is sort of like we got the big data thing and we got the blockchain thing and we got the cloud and everyone likes saying these things. But do we have evidence that companies are making serious money off of these things and they're not just buzzwords that make a ton of sense but don't make a ton of money? Yeah, I mean, it's probably kind of a mixed bag, right? I mean, you have some of these companies that are, like, really starting to, to monetize themselves. You have, like, uh, Facebook has been doing pretty well. And, and, Facebook and reports Alphabet. on Wednesday. Right, yeah. Um, and, then, and then, right, some of these companies Shouldn't have yet to... Shouldn't we be past starting to monetize and making real money at this point, a decade into sort of, like, Well, cloud? when you have a $400 million, or $400 billion, I should say, market cap, you would think that you would be past that point. Yeah. But look, I'm I'm just a negative person, so maybe you know I don't see the vision that goes behind a four billion dollar valuation of a company that makes like. But but now tell me this: How often do you order something off of Amazon? Look, Peter Lynch told us for decades you should invest in the companies you understand, and it's always about like figuring out the business model. Whatever. Ultimately, you like Bill Bajsell says, you are what your record is. If you're not making money, I don't care about your future promise. <laughs> Whatever you are is what you are. <laughs> That's the way I value it. You, so if, they, you're, if you're an 8-8 eight and eight team, I don't care if you have the world's best quarterback. You're an 8-8 eight and eight team. So how do you value Apple, which reports on Tuesday? Huh. Dude, how many products do they sell and are people buying it? <laughs> yes. 
So there you go. <laughs> um, really, I mean, like they sell many products, but one really is the only one that matters, the right. iPhone. Right. Um, the, the other thing that's going on next week, and Jeff, you, you know a bit about this, is the, the Milken Conference. Yeah, so next week's the Milken Conference. If you don't know uh, what the Milken Conference is, is Michael Milken, who was the man behind Drexel Burnham, then went to jail and then came back, and he starts this conference that does everything from – uh, political leaders to business and finance to entertainers to the, the Milk Institute does a lot for cancer research so it's also got doctors and it's basically got anyone who you would recognize their name anywhere goes to this conference into four days including our bosses including like seven of our bosses uh, who are all going to give wonderful speeches trust me yes. uh, I'll expect my bonus brilliant next week. brilliant brilliant speeches, speeches. Um, so this thing is next week and you never know like, Obviously, every single one of them is going to talk about Trump and what it means for them and their business and their politics and all that stuff. But underneath that, you get all these people together. There will be interesting themes that come out. And uh, if you're a reader, if you're an educated person and you're curious what are the smartest people in the world thinking about and talking about and worrying about and what keeps them up at night, it's a conference to pay attention to because, quite frankly, they answer those questions. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you for joining us. This has been Money Beats Week Ahead, and catch us later in the week. Follow The Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.